have to take your Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 1. Now, I know that uh, your bulletin today said Psalms 37, but don't fret or worry about that. And uh, uh, we're, we're going to go from Psalms chapter 1 and, and uh, kind of pick up where we left off this morning. Now, I, I actually had problems this morning uh, because I could not read my notes. <laughs> so most of that sermon was uh, prepared as I was preaching it, okay? <laughs> so I said, man, I, I, these got, I got new glasses this week. I let my wife pick out the frames. They're the same color as her frames. I'm going to pick up her glasses one day and take off with them and not know it until I'm halfway down the road. But they look just the same as hers. And I guess they are a lot like hers. I know since I've been wearing them, I go through about three or four mood swings every day. But... Uh, <laughs> Guys, always get your comfortable bed in the other room, okay? All right. Okay, well, let's look here now. We're in Psalms chapter, uh, chapter 1, and we, we're, we're talking about people make their uh, decisions for the Lord. Man, I'm going to go all out for Him. I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. And it's great, especially revival meetings and all that. We get excited about that. Boy, but in just a... Sometimes it's in a few days, sometimes it's in a few weeks, sometimes it might even be a few months. But so many have abandoned those decisions or they're just not fulfilling it. And falling short of what uh, the decisions were at that time in their life. And so, uh, this morning... In looking at Psalms chapter 1, we're, we're looking at the people that go forward in that, those decisions for Christ. The people that want to have a victorious Christian life. Those that want to appear before the Lord, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we have to move forward uh, in those decisions that were laid on our heart as we listen to the Word of God being preached or in our own personal devotional time, Bible study. And so we had looked at verse 1. The blessed, uh, the blessed man, we saw what he does not do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And that is their advice. If they be religious, they may be ungodly. That is, God is not, the Word of God is not at the center of their decision making. It's psychology, psychiatry, and philosophy, and so many other things. And so, blessed is the man that doesn't uh, walk in that counsel nor the man that standeth in the way of sinners. Boy, if there's the rebellious, if there's that group that's going to always take a stand against whatever's right, then you'll understand that that is a person that stands with them. They stand in the way of sinners, or they sit in the seat of scornful. They're always going to cut something down. No matter what it is, they are going to cut something down. That's just the way it is. And so uh, you have those kind of folks. Uh, they're in families, they're in churches, they're in businesses, they're everywhere. But the blessed man is not those things. However, we look in verse 2, we begin to see what a blessed man does do. And so, in verse 2, we read, well, we'll do one into, 
Uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Please understand that blessed, I, you know, I've, I've seen different definitions given by preachers and ones I've looked up. To be blessed is to be happily content with what the God has done for you. And that's true. To be blessed is to be gifted, empowered, and strengthened by God for whatever faces you in life. That's true. And I could probably give two or three other definitions that have been given for the word blessed. Probably. Each one, in one form or another, may be true. But the truth of the matter is, it's the context that determines just what that definition should be. And so I hope that you keep that in mind as we uh, go to the Lord in prayer and then we look into the Word tonight about the blessed man, that guy that continues in the call, that man that continues, that lady that continues in the call, and, and the promises, the vows they made unto God, they continue. Brother Bassett's here tonight, and he can tell you as a missionary how many young men, how many young ladies he has seen come on the field, and within a year or two they're back in the States. They did not continue, and yet they believed when they left there, they raised funds and so forth to go. They believed they had that call. But whatever took them away became greater to them in their own heart and mind than the call of God upon their life. And many times that's the cause of failure in so many Christian lives is the circumstances outweigh the walk and relationship with God. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the message tonight. Father, I pray now as we look into your word, I pray, Father, that you'd help me to rightly divide it. It is your word. It is your truth. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide the word tonight in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, what we, saw here, what we see here in verse 2 is that his delight is in the law of the Lord. And don't divorce the law of the Lord from the word of God. It is the same, by the way. It is the same. So don't, don't do that. Uh, and we find that, uh, of course, as we said earlier, just a few moments ago, that there were those negative ones in verse 1. But there are other negative things that lead people in the wrong direction. Uh, and, and so, we stay in the law of God. The negative in verse 1, I, I, you know what, I see some things that maybe we don't consider as negative. But friend, they're negative because they lead from the holiness, the righteousness, and the truth of God. For example, contemporary movement. Calvinism. You see, they appeal to the inward lust and desires and lead us in the wrong direction. For example, in the contemporary movement, you have the misapplying of Bible words. The words grace, liberty. Man, 
If you listen to some of them, we have grace to drink alcohol. We have drink, uh, grace. Now I think that with uh, a lot of this marijuana getting okayed and some other drugs now, it looks like they may end up in a few years being okayed. As long as you do it in moderation, it's okay. We've got grace. We've got liberty. And so many other things coming under that term, grace and liberty, is an abomination to God because what they're doing is turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Anything goes. And it's a spit in the face of God and His holiness. And so you have those that do that, but basically it does fulfill, whether it's the music or whether it's the uh, other things that just make me feel good. They fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust, those desires in the heart and mind that are a result of the condition of our souls. And so that's where it ends up happening. So it is turning to God's grace into lasciviousness. It's feelings over faith. That is Feelings of the flesh. Calvinism, on the other hand, also appeals to the flesh. But with that, it is a thing of, oh, we're superior. We are superior. Oh, yes. Uh, ours is so intellectual. We are chosen and others are not. And we know that. that that's the attitude of it. And you see, it's an elitism that feels like we understand, but the others do not. Back in Catholicism, in the early centuries, when first we have Paul in Rome and churches are being planted, then all of a sudden, uh, after Paul's off the scene, uh, Peter's off the scene, Peter broke the first law if he was their first pope. They can't be married. <laughs> he led about a wife, the Bible tells us. Okay. I mean, the Bible says, and by the way, he had a mother-in-law. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. No man in his right mind has a mother-in-law without a wife. Okay, so. <clears throat> Boy, the email will be busy tomorrow. Uh, but I'm saying is, is that... Uh, you have those that have this elitist attitude of we are the ones with knowledge. There are religions of that day. There are some, as I understand, I don't know that much about the Masons, so I may be speaking out of turn. I just know that it's, uh, some of the things they stand for is wrong. But they say, you know, there are those that, are, that have these positions. They're, up, they're kind of an elite group. Yet many people can be elitist, but then not everyone's a 33rd degree Mason. There's elitism in it. There's elitism in all these things. But I am so glad that my Jesus says, whosoever will. I'm glad that I have a Savior who's given me the Holy Spirit just as he has every saved person. The same Holy Spirit that empowered the Apostle Paul, all those apostles, is the same Holy Spirit that you and I have. And how much do we have of him? If you're saved, you have every bit of the Holy Spirit. 
The question is, is how much of you does he have? You see, that's what it comes down to. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? But they, these think of, it appeals to their pride, intellectual. Oh, we're the chosen. We're above the others. In the Catholic Church, as I was going to say earlier, they told their people, and they still did it up to this modern era, uh, you don't need to read the Bible because you don't have the wisdom and understanding, the knowledge enough to be able to understand the teaching. Well, they just rebuked the Holy Spirit of God then because the Holy Spirit was given us to help us to understand the Word of God. And so they've basically just called God a liar when we're told to study so, show ourselves approved unto God, to give attendance to reading, to give attendance to all these things of God, and then all of a sudden, well, no, you, you back off. We'll tell you what you need to know and don't know. No, you, you get in the Word of God. Grow in your intimate relationship with the Lord. Grow in that. There's so much today going on. We, we exalt the intellectual self. You see that, as I said, true in Calvinism, but it's above others. And so, too, things such as psychology and philosophy, and it's in place and placed above God's word and God's truth. How many have told me that they have gone to psychological counselors, both religious as well as secular, and in their marriage they were told, well, you two are no longer compatible for one another. That's not what the Bible says. Now, they've got to say they're smarter than the Bible, or they'll tell those two people, get right with God and do what the Bible says. See, that's what it comes down to. And so, what happens is they delight so much in their psychology, in their, what they feel like is superiority, and it isn't, rather than in the law of the Lord, in God's Word. And that always, always, always leads to failure, to being ashamed at His appearing, to be saved so as by fire. But, we find these groups often use $100 words. I mean, if you read some of the Calvinist writings, you'll say, man, I need a dictionary to read what they're writing about. <laughs> Isn't it funny? They use $100 words to talk about their doctrine. And then they'll tell you to throw out that King James Bible because it's hard to understand. And I want to tell them, look, if you can't understand it, come to OCA and I'll have some of our first graders work with you. But we see the charismatic movement. It, uh, it seems to fall so far short of the wisdom of God's word and his truth and the Bible faith holding rather to their feelings because the feelings have more importance than, than faith. Matter of fact, I had fun one day with a Calvinist that... Uh, I went through the plan of salvation. He said, I've done that. Yes, I know I'm saved. But he was a Calvinist too. And I, I had no reason to doubt that he wasn't saved. Seemed to know. all. Oh, he said, that's exactly what I did. So I said, you know by the word of God then you're saved. Is that right? Yes, I know that. By the word of God, I know that. Okay, well, how do you know that? 
I mean, how do you know that you're one of the elect and somebody else over here is not? He said, well, you have to feel it. He said, I could feel it. I said, so like the charismatics feel that you got to speak in tongues. They feel that you got to do this. They feel that you got to do that. You're like the charismatics. You feel these things. You know what? He didn't say anymore. But the truth of the matter is, that's the way they're going, is on feelings. And it's over faith. That is total, complete trust in the Word of God. God's Word, God's truth, is the basis of our biblical faith for living and standing for the Lord. And when we get into the Word of God, it will always lead us, as a Christian, to living holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And by the way there, not only does the word service have in it the idea of serving God, but it actually has the idea of worshiping God. You worship God with your words, but you also worship God with your life by being holy and acceptable unto Him, carrying out the will of God. Now, Again, we have an eternal home that we're looking towards. God speaks in realms of eternity. God leads us to lay up treasure in heaven. There are crowns promised. For an example, there's the soul winner's crown. There's the crown for those that endure trials and tribulations and just stays true to the Word of God regardless of what comes up. There's various crowns in the Bible listed that uh, will be laid up in eternity. At the moment, you don't see the crowns because you just take God at His Word. They're being laid up. You just stay true and you stay faithful to Him and He will bless. The godly blessed man is identified with the fact that his life, that is his delight, is in the law of the Lord, whatever the Bible says, whatever the Word of God says, that is what he's going to go by, and that's what's going to occupy him or her. That's what's going to occupy, lead, and direct their life is the Word of God, especially as the Holy Spirit uses it in their heart to lead them and to empower them and to use them for his glory. And you can't do that apart from the Word of God. Now understand, as we said this morning, God didn't do away with the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled it for us. I couldn't fulfill it, but he did. So the, boy, the reason the blessed man is not taken in by the awful things of this scornful, of these wicked, of these ungodly sinners is that his delight is in the law of the Lord. If you're going to be victorious, if you've made decisions in your life for Christ after your salvation, the way to be victorious is to continue in that walk. Yeah, be at church? Yes. Be there when the doors open. But furthermore, the Word of God must be a great daily part of your life. He delights in the law 
of the Lord. Now, you've watched people delight. I mean, they may, they may have something that they really enjoy. Maybe, uh, maybe he likes to golf, and so he delights in watching those guys as they show you how you swing the golf club and everything else. They're, maybe it's bowling. Maybe it's uh, somebody looking at a magazine to find what's uh, the latest fashion. They delight in those things. Some delight, you might say even get excited about the latest in going on of the latest, say, media platform. I mean, they get, they get a new iPhone or something like that, and it's the latest version, and so they go through everything that iPhone do. They're learning it, they're with it, and, and they get in it, that is their delight. And they spend time in it. But the question is, Is your delight in those things above your delight in the things of God? Those things that pertain to eternity, those things that pertain to the soul. What will we do to move in the direction that God has for our life? Well, we're going to have to stay in the Word. Delight. What's God trying to show me today from His Word? The Word of God. You know, the word but here in verse 2 indicates a contrast between the things positive in verse 2 and those things that were negative in verse one, where you had the counsel of the ungodly and the way of sinners and, and the seed of the scornful. A blessed man doesn't do those things. That's great. So what does a blessed man do? Well, right there. It starts right off the bat there in verse 2. He delights first in the law of the Lord. He delights in that more than the guy with the latest platform, the latest uh, new app, the latest new anything. I mean, if we're spending hours on those things, and maybe if you're consistent, you spend 20 minutes in the Word of God, I know what your delight is. I know what your delight is. God's going to speak to you through His Word. And you've got to decide whether or not you want God to speak to you. Because you've got to be willing to respond to Him in whatever it is. Now, there are examples of people who uh, truly delight in the law of the Lord and why they did. Uh, we see in the Bible, in Psalms 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We get the word in our God, it's a, it's a form of protection. That if we'll heed that word, live according to that word, then it is something that protects us. And so, that delight in his word 
will develop a hate for sin because if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not uh, hear me. So I've got to learn to hate sin. That's the first step in victory over sin in our lives. Learning to hate it. Too often it's just the guilt that's hated and not the sin. If you're saved, there will be guilt. So think of your Bible reading, your meditating on the Word of God. Uh, we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. If you're saved, you'll be there. But if you read that Word, you meditate on it, and you allow it by the Spirit of God to be applied to your life, it tells you to be a witness, you'll be a witness. It tells you to be holy. You, you, you start separating more from the world and being separated unto God. And you start doing these things. You're the one that's going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, there's some things that you'll hear on this earth. Oh, he's so self-righteous. She's so holier than thou. Oh, that one's the, that one's the, oh, they're a bunch of legalists. Isn't that brilliant? You're just a legalist. You know, I've been, I was raised in a Baptist home. My dad never taught or preached that we had to work for our salvation. But he did preach that we had a salvation that works. And so you allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be preeminent in your life, and he's going to be preeminent as we live in obedience to the word of God. So as you read the Word of God, you meditate in the Word of God, that I might not sin against thee, that leads to good, not bad. Because sinning against God doesn't take away our salvation, but it does lead to loss of reward. Remember in the parable, Take from him that hath the one, and give unto him that hath the ten. People say, well, that's not fair. Well, it's certainly not Marxism. It's not socialism. But it is truth and righteousness. It is actually doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Doing it the way God said to do it. See, some people will lose reward and be saved so as by fire. Others will hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Now, you are able to be faithful if you'll stay in his word. Stay in his word daily, thinking on it. It protects and it gives you direction in God's will as well as God's way in doing his will. Psalms 119.72, the, uh, the law of the Lord. The law, excuse me, let me read that again. Psalms 119.72, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. The Lord... By his Holy Spirit, we know that by the word of God, impressed holy men of old to write each word, 
Every word of the Bible is from the Holy Spirit of God. Those epistles, they're not from Paul. They're the words Paul wrote down from the Holy Spirit. Here in the Old Testament, the Psalms are not the words of David. They're the words of the Holy Spirit. You, we can find fault with David, but I don't think we can find any fault with the Holy Spirit. And so, when we think that it's better to us than silver and gold, that is, it is more important. And we need to ask ourselves, is the Word of God more important to me than silver and gold? Now, let me give you a couple examples. Dr. Lee Robertson. <laughs> I was six years old when he baptized me, by the way. But Dr. Lee Robertson. As a young preacher up in Nashville, Tennessee, he had the voice that was the quality of a pipe organ. He could sing opera. And a group in Nashville offered him a huge contract to sing, to come under and be under contract to them. Oh, he'd be well taken care of. But you know what? He turned that down because he was pastoring a small church and the parsonage was a Sunday school classroom in the back of the church. And he was single at the time. But he gave up the silver and gold to serve God. And I just wonder how much silver and gold has been laid up for him in heaven. And you see, when I see someone like a Lee Robertson, oh, he's well known because of the thousands of people that were saved under that ministry, of the college that was started, of the preachers all across this land that, are, that preached the word and stayed true to the word under his ministry. Dr. Bloom was under his ministry. He stayed true. God blessed him. Many of us know perhaps uh, the name George Beverly Shea. And that song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Those words came along when he was struggling in his life. And there was, as Dr. Robertson, an opportunity opened. And he decided, no, God's called me to sing his word. And he stuck with the word of God. I think of Job chapter 23 and verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his, that is God's mouth, more than my necessary food. See, Job felt like feeding on the Word of God was much more important than even feeding on food. And if there was a choice between the two at any time. The Word of God had first choice. And you think of that. The Word of God meant so much to him that it was hid in his heart. And what, what happens in his life? Well, God knows his heart. He knows that he's established in the Word of God. 
So Satan's given permission. Okay, go ahead and go after him. Can't kill him. You can go after him. So what does Satan do? Satan kills all of Job's children. Takes all the riches. He was the richest man at the time in the East. I mean, he was far more rich than anyone. He lost it all. He lost his health. He is living in great pain. And how does he stand when his wife says to him, why don't you curse God and die? How do you stand? It is seen that regardless, he never went from the commandment of the Lord's lips. Stayed true. Now, God blessed him in this life with more, with double of everything that was lost. And yet, I think that doubling doesn't mean anything as compared to the treasure in heaven. He delighted in the law of the Lord. It's our faith in his word. Because even in the book of Job, Old Testament, way back, contemporaries of the time of Abraham, way back there, he proved a New Testament truth. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Stay true to the word regardless of the circumstances. Remember this principle. This is a principle every Christian needs to get it down in their heart and life. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But your plan must be built on the Word of God and His direction. If each day you need to get up 30 minutes earlier, then you really have to maybe an hour than you ha- earlier than you have to, in order to spend time in the Word of God and prayer, it is well worth it. Get that time aside. <clears throat> Walk with God. It may be in that time God is giving you something that you'll meet someone that day that you can turn uh, towards them and speak it to them, and it may help them in a crisis in their own life. It may be that which something hit you that was totally unsuspected, and God will sustain you through it. I remember that, and by the way, God did this, not me, all right? So let me put that on it before I say this. God did it, not me. But I remember going to college. We had two children when we arrived there. Had another one later. But I remember getting up at 3 o'clock every morning. Spend time in the Word of God in prayer. Do that till about 4 or 5 o'clock. Then spend a couple hours studying my books. And then going on to school. Get out of school, 12, 1 o'clock. Come home, get a quick bite to eat. Go back and work till 9, 10 o'clock at night. Get home, try to get in bed by 11, and get up at 3 in the morning and do it all over again. 
over and over again. I can't do that. I'll be the first to tell you. Somehow God empowered and strengthened. And God is through. God is through college. But I'll tell you what. It wasn't my strength. It wasn't my wisdom. It wasn't my power. Only God enables what is good that is accomplished in and through us. And so, you stay true to God. Regardless, you stay true to God. No matter what happens, stay true to God. Oh, there will always be scorning. And there will always be people that will be so discouraging to you, you feel like quitting. Just like Job's wife. But you stay true to the Word of God. You stay true to Him. You just say, okay, God said do this. I'm going to do God's will, God's way. And you do it. Oh, we can say, I love God. Oh, I love the Lord. But are we daily proving that statement with uh, the witness of our actions? What dominates our thinking? What dominates our leisure? What dominates our alone time Apart from God. It shows whether or not it's true. Now you look. Yeah you do have times of entertainment. You do have times of relaxation. But those times do not dominate. And should never dominate. The time with God. Or be in place of the time with God. You can't be sure about anything, be it in the time of good health and prosperity or the times of sorrow, persecution. Job, the word of God was more important than his food. And how did that come out? When he went through all that he was going through, he says, I look to my left, but God's not there. I look to my right, he won't hear me. I, I, I look behind me, I look in front of me, I look up, he's not there. He won't answer me, he won't respond to me. But that's not where he ended it. He says, but I know that my Redeemer liveth. And when I am tried... I shall come forth as gold. He knoweth the way that I take. That is the word of God that gave him the strength to face the most terrible things of life. Look, we've had in our church some people, and some of you are here tonight, that have lost a loved one. Some have gone through a lot of things that 
It makes the rest of us sad. Boy, I'd hate to go through anything like that. But God blessed you and took you through it because that word was in your heart. And there's one promise for sure. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So look there at that word again in our text. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's not just to set apart, this is my five minutes, this is my 20 minutes in the Word of God. I read a devotional book, I read the Bible, and I'm fine the rest of the day till tomorrow. No. Meditated in it, thought on it, and asked God, Give, help me to understand what I've just read, and help me to know how to allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to my life and do it. That's the key to victory. Now, Christian, we know America's in trouble. I was reading through Ezekiel's first seven or eight chapters this week. The priest, I call them the pastors, <laughs> the people, the church, the temple. Boy, they got in. I mean, they, hey, they still offered offerings. They still had their worship, <laughs> their contemporary worship. And God removed his glory. God sent them into captivity. And yet, in his heart of love, he kept warning, 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 warning. I don't know how the rest of the American churches will respond, but let's not gauge our own personal response on the response of other churches or other Christians. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. Let's respond to him personally and let the word of God be your delight. That which we walk in, that which we uh, seek on a daily basis and seek its application to our life and to do it. It's the key to well done, good and faithful servant. It is key to the blessed man of Psalm 1. Let's bow our heads.